just past 7 o'clock, and what do you know? It's time for Iron Sports, 95.9, the true oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, and Ira, we're all about uh, full disclosure on this show, and we have to let you know that this show is pre-taped. We did this on Monday afternoon, and there's a very good reason for that, Ira. Would you like to tell us? Well, I'm going to be driving down for the national championship game, um, Alabama-Ohio State. I'm very excited, so I figured because nothing big was happening, we're going to tape, tape this at 2, and by the time people are hearing the show, I'll be... Hopefully in the stadium, getting excited for a game. I remember last year I was at the uh, uh, Clemson LSU game mm -hmm. in New Orleans, and it was just ex so exciting to walk down Bourbon Street with all the LSU fans. Uh, it was almost a home game, really, for mm -hmm. LSU that game. So it's a little bit different with Alabama and Ohio State, there's, but uh, it, it's still be a great game. Two great college teams, two great programs, and I'm excited for the game today. No, absolutely. I can't wait to talk about it. We'll do a little NFL first, but I, I want to talk about this for a second because one of the fun things about doing this show with you is hearing the escapades and the antics that go on with you trying to get into these games sometimes. Right now, you don't have tickets for this game, but you're pretty confident you're going to see it. I don't know how confident. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> stupid because what happened is is that like when you're in a game like this if you know you want to go to the game like you don't care who plays like if it's Steelers yeah. or Penn State so I know I want to go to this game I should have bought this ticket a month ago I didn't because you had to buy them in groups of four and six and I didn't really want to I didn't know where the market was gonna go if it was just one ticket I would have taken that risk but with four and six, I'm not sure where the market was going to go. And, and But I should have assumed that Alabama was going to be in the game and mm -hmm. if Clemson was in the game. There's these teams that would draw. Now, I went to the national championship game in when Florida. We had Sammy Coates on. When Florida State played Auburn, and they played in L.A. And you literally, I sat on the 50-yard line for $50. I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> right behind Charles Barkley. I mean, you could have you could have walked in the game for a dollar and got a ticket. There were people that had, like, stacks of tickets because it just matters about, is this a game where people travel to it? A lot of times, games in Phoenix – um, in Phoenix, when the Fiesta Bowl tickets are, ch are cheap because people just don't can't show up. Now, the Tampa game when Clemson played Alabama a few years ago, that price of the ticket just shot up because all the Clemson fans, the day of the game from Clemson, South Carolina, could just drive right down to yeah. Tampa and bid it all up. And that was like, I'm there, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a million people that just said <laughs> woke up the next morning and said, I'm going to drive down to the game, and there were so few tickets. Now, this is a situation. There's 17,000 fans in the game. There, you can only buy them in blocks of two, four, and sixes, and it, it just makes it more difficult. But it's always a challenge and always something, and it's always trying to figure out what to do. But the mistake I made was certainly a month ago. I should have just bought – if I would have bought these tickets, bought a four-pack a month ago, then I would have made money on my other three. But I, yeah. it's like buying stocks. <laughs> sometimes you buy them and they lose, and sometimes you, you buy them and you're right. No, you, what you said is, is pretty true. Like You didn't know who was going to be playing, but we could assume we're probably going to see Alabama and Clemson, Ohio State. But, yeah, man, there could have been some wild card that snuck in there and lowered the price dramatically probably. I, I would think if – you know, some random team had slid in at the fourth and, and won, won a game. Who knows? Yeah, and I didn't know where the Steelers were going to be. Like, I would, would probably have gone to their game instead, and I didn't know what this ticket situation was going to be, if they were going to open up. So it was weird. It was hard to go to the game on Sunday and then come back for this. And so there was a lot of factors. But I'm excited for the game. I'll figure a way to get in. I You asked me earlier, have I ever been denied? The Super Bowl was won, <laughs> and then there was a Bulls game uh, many, many years ago before the last dance. I, I flew out to Chicago, and I just could not get a ticket to go in the game. But hopefully tonight I will be there. Not like when you got that ticket get in the barbershop in Chicago. No, that was the good. I learned my lesson. That's the one thing. You learn your lesson in games like this. But you don't do that anymore. Now you have to do it online. There's nobody... Like, you don't go down to... Uh, the Hard Rock Stadium and find tickets. No one's walking around tickets anymore. That's 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 like ancient history. Yeah, especially in COVID days. <laughs> even before, people. after they don't, they don't. You have to have electronic tickets to go in the stadium. So it's unless you trust someone to send a ticket on their cell phone to you, it's not really <laughs> worth doing. <laughs> oh, it's Iron Sports True Oldies Channel. So Ira, 
normally today you'd be decked out in all your Pittsburgh Steelers gear, but I think maybe you put that uh, away for a couple of months now after what was just a weird, weird game. And I don't. I think you want to do a little um, Steelers playoff history, but you got to be let down today that that a team that went eleven and zero and really looked great for two-thirds of the season, came out so flat in that first half yesterday. Uh, came out flat because they rested a week before, so you felt like they were able... This is We talk about this all the time, and I think and for the Chiefs fans out there, maybe a little nervous too, it's like you felt the Steelers could just turn it on, and, and certainly when they... It's sort of like when the car's sitting there in the garage and you haven't turned it on in a while, and you try to turn it on, and it just didn't even make a sound. I mean, <laughs> and by the time the guy came to jumpstart it, it was already 28 to nothing. I think that was... That was one of the problems, and it was just—it is definitely uh, uh, the way the end of the season, being eleven and zero, and thinking everything's rolling. You're liking how Ben's playing the defense, and the Steelers have just showed that they were not able to deal with injuries, not able to deal with COVID situation, not dealing. They—they they just proved inflexible and made a lot of mistakes, and just. You know, now they're in a situation where they, they lost a home playoff game when they were a heavily favored team. And But the one thing, as a Steeler fan, and I like to go over some of these games, it's not the first time. It, they This has happened. As a Steeler the fan Jaguars who's gone there. memory. Yeah, you're mentioning, I sat there. That was one of the coldest football games I've ever really? been to. And then we lost we lost the Jaguar game when, when Leonard Fournette was even, like, disappeared for half the game and then came back and ran. That was the game Lavian Bell was late to show up. I mean, it's like one of these crazy things. But even back in, back into the time when we, uh, we lost at home and 2007 to the Jaguars, heavily favored to David Gerrard when we had the number one seed. Um, going back to 2004 and 2001 to the Patriots, Brady's first game when he got hurt and Bledsoe came in, we were favored in those games. And I remember one of the worst games ever, 1994, the Steelers, they they were heavily favored against the Chargers. It was like two touchdowns, and I flew in from New York for the game, and they ended up losing to the Chargers, and that's the Chargers team that lost then in the Super Bowl to San Francisco. This is for the – that was for conference championships. I mean, they've mm-hmm. lost to Denver. I mean, they have, they have hosted games. The record at Heinz Field is 8-5 and five in playoffs, which isn't that good considering you're, you're probably the team. favorite yeah. in those games. <laughs> but it's been – it's just been one of those situations. And forget about the road losses. Remember in 2012, the Tebow game when they were favored yeah. against Tebow, and Tebow throws that pass. And then wins there, and they lost. I was in Denver, and we lost to Manning when I think we're slightly underdogs that game. But it, it just is one of these games. It reminds me of the Jacksonville game a couple years ago in terms of the Steelers. I won't say the Steelers were overconfident because they're playing the Browns, but but I think I'm more surprised that they just came out so flat. I think that's what the shocking thing is. The momentum was right there on the first play of the game with, with, the, with the botched fumble. That ball could have been picked up, too, on the one-yard one line, goal line, and they could have maintained possession, but they didn't. Um, real quick, who was the, the Chargers quarterback in 94 that beat you guys? Do you remember? I can't, I can't remember anyone before Philip Rivers. Well, it was Papano, Papuno was the tight end. And the Steelers were up at the game 14-0. And I always thought that was interesting because the Chargers, I think, the week before beat the Dolphins. And they played Marino. And I said if the Steelers were playing Marino and the Dolphins, they would be more focused in that game. I think it was Stan Humphreys. If I'm going to just, just say it, is it? <laughs> it's Humphreys, it. Stan Humphreys. <laughs> and, and when the Steelers went up in the game, they were up like 10-0. And then suddenly Papuno had two touchdowns and the Steelers went behind. It's just a shocking, terrible loss. But that was, it's just the start of many of losses that Steelers have had. Now, look, the Steelers have a great, tremendous history of winning Super Bowls and the six Super Bowls and certainly winning big games, but they have lost their share of games when they're favored. And this was another one. This will go down in Steel Lore. I mean, to lose to Cleveland, I mean, the record is just Ben's record against the Browns was 23 2 1. 
and he, and and the Browns have lost seventeen straight games at Heinz Field. And the record this this is the most amazing thing since the merger. This is sixty seven. The Browns used to be much better than Steelers. So they were fifteen and five. But since the merger, since nineteen sixty seven, they're six and forty four. I mean, six and forty four. That's like Florida playing whatever. It's the Vanderbilt. <laughs> FIU. No, yeah, it's like that type of score. And then considering that the Browns know Kevin Stefanski, their coach, and they don't they didn't have their offensive line coach, their backup offensive line coach, or the assistant offensive line coach. They had Mike P for the special teams coach calling the plays. They were missing their entire offensive line from injuries and COVID issues. They really were missing their entire secondary. I just it was a mess all around in terms of what they were having. They, they didn't have some of their receivers. Uh, the Steelers, but again, the Steelers linebackers, just they, they were that was the one position that they were unhealthy, and they also lost uh, Joe Hayden, their quarterback. And but I mean, the defense was everything was wrong. We'll go over the game, but from uh, defensively, that the Steelers offense Ben did not help in that first by turning the ball over. But the Steelers defense just did not tackle, did not stop, did not play what you expect like a defense would be able to keep in the game. Sort of like I have to say, compared to the Rams, when we watched the Rams talk about the Rams Seattle game, the Rams defense when their offense couldn't do anything, like said, okay, we're going to keep you in the game. Yeah. The Steelers defense did not like right the ship at all. The Steelers defense was like. Well, more water in the ship. It's sinking, and they didn't do anything to stop it. No, you're, you're absolutely right. It was Nobody was helping anybody's case, case in that game. I didn't like the way a lot of members of the media downplayed Joel Batonio and Denzel Ward being out of this game. Joel Batonio is an all-pro, and Denzel Ward's really good. This was major players that the Browns are missing. They went in there understaffed and undermanned. Well, I was surprised. The Browns only had three penalties for the game, and considering that at one point in their game, they had – Batonio was out. Their other offensive lineman, uh, lineman was – they were down really only one offensive lineman that had played like two weeks before. Mm. They had no off illegal procedure penalties, no holding penalties. I mean, these guys hadn't even practiced all week. It just shows you, you don't need a coach, you don't need to practice, you just come out and play. And then that's <laughs> somehow that team in the biggest game beats the Steelers, which is a defensive line when you have Hayward and Tewitt and Eliu. I mean, again, I, I have no idea what happened to the Steelers' defensive line to let that happen, considering that they're all pros. You have two all pros on defense, and they couldn't do anything against an offensive line that was just put together. I mean, one thing, if you could just bring in all pros and, and stars from other teams, but there was no cohesion. The offensive line is something that you actually you hear. Oh, they've been together for three years. They've been together for four years. This offensive line was together for two days or 24 hours, and suddenly they were able to stop the Steelers. So, by the way, you were correct. Stan Humphreys was the quarterback in 94. Natron Means was the starting running back. You know who the backup was? He's a successful coach now that may be a head coach. I don't know. Eric Bieniemy. Oh, my God. Was, was the backup <laughs> okay, running back on that team. Very cool. Um, so, yeah, let, let's talk about the game, Ira. This like we said, from the very beginning, you knew it was going to be an uphill battle for these Steelers. Well, I don't. I didn't know it was going to uphill battle. We thought we were going to, but the first play is like, and it reminded me, I was at the Steelers when the Denver played Seattle in the Super Bowl a couple years ago in, in, in the Meadowlands in mm-hmm. New Jersey. And Manning, they snapped it to Peyton Manning, who has probably taken more snaps than any person alive. And, they, and it went like over his head and into the end zone. And that was like, that was the first play of the game yeah. in terms of that was a safety. It wasn't a, it wasn't a touchdown that game. But this, I mean, Pouncey is going to be a Hall. You have, we have one Hall of Famer snapping the ball to another Hall of Famer who have play, has played together for the last 10 years. And it was the worst snap Pouncey ever had. I mean, the ball ever. was 20 feet over his head. The ball's laying there. And then Ben and Connor don't even jump on the ball. They could have had the ball maybe on the one yard line instead, seven points like that it was a total everything was wrong like i think whether they were surprised about it but it, it looked like it looked like uh bad news bears of football when you watch something like that in terms of the snap was nowhere to clear to ben and then it was lying on the ground and that's the first play of the game it, it, it's interesting you brought that up because it didn't click with me on that you're right they're both future hall of famers and of any center and quarterback 
tandem in the league, they have to have more snaps together than anybody else. To, well, to have that happen like that was just it, so bizarre. In the Super Bowl, the claim was that the Denver offensive coordinator, who I think was Adam Gase at the time, but anyway, the claim that he yeah. made, just to throw that out there, one of his claims was that the crowd noise, because the Seattle fans were there, and he said, we don't need to go to a silent count because there's gonna, it's not going to be that noisy for Super Bowl, but as I've said before on the show, in that game, suddenly all these Seattle fans were able to buy the tickets because people thought it was going to snow, so the prices went down, and so it was almost like a home game on that side of the stadium, so when they were snapping the ball, it was so loud, and that's why Manning didn't even hear the count. They did, the ball was snapped. The Steelers had no excuse. There was, <laughs> was 2,000 fans, and then they showed the one Brown fan and how that Brown fan got in. They were basically friends and family. How in the world do you make a mistake like that? It's just it's inexcusable in a game like that to make an error like that with no fans in the state. At your, in your home, it just doesn't make any sense. No, you're absolutely right. And like we said, that ball could have been picked up by Connor uh, or Ben. Um, so, so let's keep going. I mean, this game, I think at one point, Cleveland was up 21 nothing with, like, six plays run. It was just... <laughs> Such an anomaly of a game. Well, the second interception Ben threw when he when he ran. So the next time they get the ball, they actually got two first downs. So I'm like, I'm excited because they got third and three. They passed to Connor. They did everything right. And then it was third and one. Just Derek Watt ran for a first down. I'm like, okay, Steelers have righted the ship. But then Ben's rolling along and he throws it to Benny Snell. But it was a terrible pass. Mm. But that's what I give credit for the Browns. Because you see these teams, we watch the playoffs. Oh, they're just dropping interception. The Browns were very opportunistic. When the ball was there, they didn't just didn't drop it. They intercepted it. Yeah. And they actually returned it and got yards coming back with that and that was just a disaster in terms of and then right after that the play called Mayfield to Landry for a touchdown 40 yard touchdown again Landry looked like he was running like again I don't think the Steelers defense was even on the field like Landry just was just he didn't even like he was gone but he's not a speedster either. No. Like when you watch Darvis Landry, he is a possession. We know him from Miami. Okay, yeah. he's a guy who catches the ball eighty, you know, ten times a game. But he's a very much possession. He's running the field like he's Tyree Kill. Yeah, it was just Odell out, Beckham, not ever, Landry. Running down the field, it was ridiculous. And then uh, that was it. And then the Steelers. Then of course they, they go three and out. And then the Browns get the ball back. And the fact that Nick Chubb then starts the first time, he runs seventeen yards. The next play, twenty yards. And then they throw it. And then Hunt just runs it in. It was like twenty. You're right, twenty one nothing and a few plays everything it, it was like when you watch those two high school teams when the one is like the number one team in the state and the other team is like the worst team in the state and yeah. that's ex- that's exactly how you start expected game to start not with the Steelers with the third best defense in the in the NFL with Hall of Fame players all on everywhere and they and they do that they did end up giving you some hope though I mean they they did turn this game around a little bit and they made it somewhat competitive well I mean I think in the second quarter Again, but even on, when we're down 28 nothing, so they go the second quarter, they go, it was fourth and nine in the Cleveland 38, and the Steelers punted. Like, I don't understand. You're down 28 nothing. People I don't are going care. for it all weekend. Fourth and nine on the 38. Like, you punt the ball? Like, don't, it's too long for a key field goal. I, I didn't get that. And then, uh, <laughs> that Ben throws that other interception. And even when he started throwing an interception, by then they, the defense started coming in. And at the end of the first half, they, they did suddenly get the offense going and running and, and throwing it down, and they made it 28-7. But then even – but the funny thing is, even when they made it 28-7 with like a minute to go in the in the second quarter, that in the, in the first half, the Browns go bounce score. They let the Browns yeah. score a touchdown back. It was just ridiculous. And then they got a field goal at the end. But uh, it, was, it was just horrendous first half. And uh, the Steelers actually you – know, the, the, the stats, we're going over the stats for the game it's pathetic the Steelers had a 20 to 10 margin in time of possession 20 to 10 and they almost outgained them at first down 16 11 and still were losing 35 to 10 um in the second half it was like one of those things where this is where I'm critical I feel like the Browns when you're looking at me it's the Chiefs next week 
I mean, they had the Steelers beat. There's no reason why the Steelers had any hope to go in this game. And why they got away from running with Chubb and running with Hunt, yeah. they threw that pass, long pass to Higgins. It doesn't make any sense. And and then the Steel, the Browns' defense, I don't care if you're playing prevent or whatever, they, the Steelers were scoring in like a minute going down like every time. I mean, Ben threw for over 500 yards. He said that he was the most yardage in a playoff game, the second highest yardage, the most completions, the most passes ever thrown. You knew it was going to happen when they're down so by so much. But it was like there were plays where in the second half, in the third quarter, the Browns were three and out with two incomplete passes. They took a minute off the clock. Then they had three plays for two yards, a minute off the clock. Like, what are they doing? Like, you're supposed to be one of the best running teams in the league. And then you're thinking, if you're Kansas City, you're like, wow. I mean, who benefited most from this game? Besides the Browns for winning a game, Kansas City, because otherwise they'd have to play Baltimore. Now they play a team yeah. that, that just, I can't even see how the Kansas City, I mean, Cleveland's can play with them because their, their, their secondary was horrendous in that second, in the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter, it was so funny, the Steelers actually went down. So it was third and eight. Juju got seven yards to the 46. It's fourth and one. It's the beginning of the, the fourth quarter. You're only down 12. So look, you're only down 12 points. That's fourth and one. Thinking. Fourth and one. Punt? You <laughs> It's like when they went to a commercial, they came out, and I'm like, what did I miss? Was there a penalty? Was it, Did they say Juju dropped the ball? I couldn't, in my mind, wrap around what had happened, why they punted the ball in fourth and one. I couldn't, fa- I couldn't fathom it. I just, I'm like, did I miss something? I, I looked on the, like, you're putting, you're down 12 in the fourth quarter. And then it was just, it was just amazing. And then that and the Browns go down and the screen passed to Chubb for 40 yards for a touchdown. Again, their defense just came, the, the Steelers linebackers were terrible. And they were missing, De- missing Devin Bush, missing Bud Dupree. Robert Spillane came back. But, I mean, Spillane, was, was just terrible. There was a play when Spillane uh, tied up, I think it was Chubb, and was holding up there, and no Steelers came. There was no gang tackling at all. You see on these other teams where someone holds someone up, everybody else goes and helps out. There, It was it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen from a Steeler. And then finally, like uh, the, the Steelers got down. It was 45-29, and then Ben threw another pick. Um, how about this stat? No sacks in, in the game for either team. Crazy. No, the Steelers, your defense. The Steelers ran 84 plays in a football game six to 65. They outgained the, the Browns 553 to 390. And the Steelers were 8-15 and 15 on third down. You talk about stats being pathetic. I mean, Ben threw for 500 yards, four touchdowns, four interceptions. Juju, talk about fantasy. It would the greatest fantasy game if you played fantasy playoffs. 13 catches. De- uh, Deontay Johnson, who you had in your fantasy, you would love this type of game. 11 <laughs> catches, 117 yards. They had five other players with, with five catches. But I just thought it was one of those, from the Browns' perspective, they had so many empty possessions that were very quick, didn't take time out. The fact that the Steelers could even come back in the game is a pathetic in terms of the Browns' perspective. And, uh, and their defense there, I thought, was poor. So... Um, boy, I just saw over online the uh, Doug Peterson. I was inspired. just about to, just oh, about to say that. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say breaking news here on Iron Sports. Doug Peterson has been fired. How great is that? And I don't know if it's just because I'm a Giants it's fan. It's because you're a Giants fan. But to have tanked the game and then not even get to use the draft, the three picks you moved up for, that you don't get to use it, I think that's just some, some sweet, sweet, uh, sweet, sweet karma for Doug Peterson. Well, because considering he just won a Super Bowl three years ago, I, I, I think he has to be the, the quickest. I, I guess when, when uh, Jimmy Johnson was fired, it was similar to that for the Cowboys mm-hmm. after he had won, and then he had a fight with Jerry Jones, and then he got fired, and then Switzer came in. But it, it, it reminds me of sort of like that. But, uh, but he and Johnson had won two Super Bowls, and then he was out for But that, this is, that was completely different. This, I'm, I am surprised by this. But I guess when the rumor first came out that his decision to come from was to, the management told him that he had to bring Sudfield in, their third-string quarterback, that it wasn't management that made that no, call. And, uh, but there, 
a decision like this gets made because there probably is a lot of other issues and a lot of other problems. There's locker room issues all over And the locker rooms, but also man- this this decision is a management issue. This is something where uh, he is definitely, with the ownership and with Howard, with Howard Roseman, I, with Howard Roseman, the GM, there had to be some disconnect because you don't just fire over whether you're going to play in a meaningless game, a quarterback for a couple series. And this had to have been brewing. And, uh, wow, amazing. Yeah, no, I wasn't expecting that. Like you said, it is bizarre. I think they're, they're giving Frank Reich a lot of credit for the Super Bowl win as opposed to Doug Peterson. I think that at least that's what uh, the, the fans think, that you know it wasn't Peterson. But either way, let's keep going. Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel, Baltimore and Tennessee, Ira. And this is a game where I, I wasn't really expecting the Titans to win. Their defense is pretty bad. But Baltimore didn't look amazing. They did enough to win, for sure. Defense looked good. But um, I don't know about the offense. And, and I, I think I'd be a little bit more apprehensive about them than I was, say, a week ago. Well, I think this is the type of game. This is Lamar Jackson's first playoff win. And uh, it's actually Baltimore's first playoff win since 2014, that Steeler game that I mentioned. Um, and they had Ravens had lost 21 straight games when <laughs> trailing by 10. Tennessee fan, I am frustrated with this game. I think, like, that first, but that second possession they had when they were throwing to A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, number 11, if you watch that game, he was dominant. They couldn't, He's they great. could they could, and then Marlon Humphrey was on him, and Marlon, they just went right after Marlon Humphrey again and again. Marlon Humphrey is one of their better players, and, and for the Ravens, it was just, it just seems, wow. I mean, Tannehill was doing it, but they, by doing that, they got away from running Derrick Henry from from running and that was the issue they they ran poorly like the whole game and but then Lamar Jackson threw that interception you know after they go seven nothing Lamar Jackson throws the interception and they just get a field goal I think after that they go up fourteen nothing but the key play of the game is you're up ten to three and Tennessee goes out three and out Henry uh, Derrick Henry just can't, got stopped but that run they they see it was a third and nine. And then Lamar Jackson goes, and they had done such a great job. And this is, remember, they beat them in the regular season. They beat them last year in the playoffs of stopping Lamar Jackson from having these long runs. And I was watching on those telecasts where they had, like, Brucey and everything on ESPN2 where they had the coach's room. Rex mm-hmm. Ryan was there. And they pointed out, they, like, that's the one. They were trying to, all the, they were trying to sack him instead of, like, contain him. And the idea is you've got to contain. And they left just that whole lane up to the middle, and that's why I was able to go run and score. It was just, he, it was just a terrible defense to let him. And in a game when you're up 10-3, when you're controlling the whole game, that just shifted everything. It was with the Jackson. Breaker. Yeah, it was just, and it's unbelievable just to think that a play like that, uh, you know, to make it 10-10 was going to change the game. It just, it did. It actually changed the game because then they go in halftime at 10-10. And then Baltimore, the second half, Dobbins, you know, bringing J.K. Dobbins in with the runs that he was able to do was was tremendous. But, uh, yeah, it was weird. It was, Tennessee hung, I mean, I mean uh, uh, Tennessee hung in there. I mean, there was a 17-13. I mean, uh, Tucker, the missed a field goal. He hasn't yeah. missed a field goal. He had made 48 consecutive fourth quarter overtime field goals and he misses a field goal. I'm like, wow, that could be something. But again, when Tennessee gets the ball back, Henry goes through on a carry for eight yards. They're third and two on the Baltimore 40 and Henry was out of the game. Like, you're third and two on like, th- this is the most, one of the most important possessions. No Why was he in a game? And then on fourth and two, they punt. I mean, that's what I was listening to some of the Tennessee people talk about that. And, like, we punt the ball. We're down 17-13. That was crazy. And then Baltimore, it's funny. Baltimore gets the ball back, and that's when they went on a fourth and two, and Dobbins went for a first down. But uh, I was you were just waiting for something for Tennessee to have that comeback, and then Tannehill was intercepted on that tip to, to end the game. So it wasn't like, you're right. The, it was a situation, though, I thought Tennessee, I was waiting for them to have the comeback. Send The, the game felt like when they're down by seven that it was going to be an overtime game, and Tannehill 
and just couldn't make that comeback. And they've had those great comebacks, you know, the whole year. So, uh, it, but uh, they've been living and dying on the Derrick Henry lately, and they couldn't get anything going. He had less than two yards of carry. I think that the Lamar touchdown was was amazing. But he had to do something like that after throwing arguably the worst interception I've ever seen in my life. I don't know what happened. It wasn't a miscommunication. That was an awful throw. They call it, they're calling it like a punt. But yeah, right. Henry, 18 carries for 40 yards. Um, that was it. And it was, it was like one of those games where Lamar Jackson, 179 yards, you know, 779 yards passing. He had 136 yards running. Uh, they sacked him five times, which mm-hmm. is, a, but, but that run, that was the one thing. And then it was dangerous because even when there was that time at the end and they, when they were just running the clock out at the end of the game, so they were going to have, you know, not to punt the ball back to Tennessee and they were stopped on, they threw an incompletion, which was so stupid to stop the clock. But then he ran for a first down and just iced the game. Uh, but a big win for Lamar Jackson. I mean, and, but as again, we talked about before with the Chiefs, if you're the Chiefs, you're, you would have to play Baltimore next week. Now you only have to play Cleveland. What an advantage. And now Baltimore has to go play Buffalo. But the point is the Chiefs got, they almost get like a second bye week because there's no way they're losing to the Browns. You, know? <laughs> you wouldn't think so, but great to think. Like you said, they've basically been off for three weeks. So who knows what's going to happen there? I run Sports True Oldies channel on Mike Balsamo as well. So I run my, my most confident game of the week was the Rams uh, getting three points. But my second pick was the Bills giving six and a half. I thought the way that they came into this game, they were just going to blow the doors off the Colts. I know the Colts' defense is really good, but Josh Allen has been third in the for MVP vote. And they just weren't, weren't amazing. They were good. They won the game, but it wasn't enough. to. Eat. I looked at that team and said that team wouldn't beat the Chiefs. Well, I think it, this is a weird game because the Colts had a chance at the beginning, I felt, to kick that lead on the Bills, and they didn't. And then at the end of the first half with two minutes to go, uh, Josh Allen, he went on fourth and three. That that last drive in that first half was insane. He threw two interceptions on two back-to-back passes. <laughs> One was ruled there was a penalty, so the penalty was offsides. The next thing Josh Allen threw, the next the interception he threw was they they ruled it, it was a it was a drop. It wasn't it wasn't mm. caught. I mean, he threw two, two terrible passes. And I think by going there and getting that 14-10 lead when they're down, like I think the Colts when they were up 10-7, like this was a chance for the Colts to really. It just it seemed like they just. Uh, uh, I mean, they went on. What happened is the Colts go up 10-7. They go down there, and on fourth and goal on the three, they don't. I don't. I would not have kicked the field goal there. I would have gone for it. And Pittman was wide open in the end zone, and Rivers just just missed that. Yeah. And that would have given them a 17-7 to lead, giving them more comfort. But when the Bills come down, make that 14-10 on that drive, when he throws two interceptions, I think that was the situation. But then where you criticize the Bills a little bit, they go in the fourth quarter, they're up 24-10. So they're up by two touchdowns, and they got a little close. I mean, it was unbelievable. Rivers threw it to Pascal for touchdowns, uh, and then the Bills drove down, just got it, got it, uh, got to a field goal. But then the Colts, they went down, made it twenty-seven twenty-four with six minutes to go. I mean, it, it was it, they put they created that game, giving up those two touchdowns, and the Bills just didn't. Uh, um, you know, it was just it was like one of those things. But at the end of the game, the Colts had the ball. So this is down with first and 10 uh, on their 14 with 230 to go. They had this drive. It was a, they, they converted two fourth downs. But then right when they got to what, the 47-yard line, that's when they got stopped. And remember, I kept thinking about the uh, Arizona game when the Bills, that was the last game they lost seven games ago when they gave up that, that Hail Mary. And they're like, we're not going to give up a Hail Mary to Phil Rivers. We're not going to. I thought maybe Jacoby Brissett would maybe go in for yeah. and throw the ball. <laughs> but that was so they, they were able to hang in. But you're right. I think the Bills, it was like one of those games where I think, it's, I think the Colts were probably of the teams that lost. They played 
probably better than any of the other teams that lost. And considering they were the seventh seed, they were in there. But Josh Allen was uh, 26 for 35 for 324 yards, two touchdowns. He ran 11 times for 54. I think something that I would be concerned about a Bills fan is that Allen seemed to be doing everything again, like the running and passing, and that's what sets up the Bills-Baltimore match so great because you're going to have two quarterbacks that want to throw and run. And I just think that Josh Allen's a better passer than Lamar Jackson. But uh, Phillip Rivers, 309 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, the running back, 78 yards on 21 carries. But it was like one of those games where, I mean, I hope, look, they want Rivers back. I think Rivers should come back for another year. I think it, I think it would make sense for them to bring him back for one more year. But from, from a Bills perspective, you just wanted to see, you don't know about the injury to Moss got hurt, but you want to see the running backs running the ball. You don't want to see Allen running the ball so much. It, they're extremely one-dimensional right now. I mean, it's been four games now where Montgomery doesn't get going and Moss doesn't get going, and they're just... Yeah, it's a one man, well, two man if you count Diggs, but the the running game goes through Josh Allen, and that'll work for a little while. But I don't think you're going to be able to beat the best teams like that. I right. I mean, the Colts, the Colts uh, had 472 yards to 397 for the Bills, and for the Bills defense, you're like, well, the Bills defense is so good; they're such an elite defense. Boy, to give up that many yards to the Colts, uh, just weird. I mean, look, it was a, the first win the Bills have had in 20 some 25 yeah. years. I mean, for the Browns and Bills to both win, it was like an eclipse to happen or something <laughs> crazy like that. But going, but that's why this Ravens Bills game is going to be. I mean, the Ravens are the Bills are favored by three around that line, which I think where the line should be. It's going to be in Buffalo next weekend. But I just think that's why I would go for the. I think the Bills, but it's 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 the game. I think that it is that plus, of course, the Bucks and the Saints. But I think there's like four games next weekend. Two are really, really going to be really good. I think two aren't going to be that good. And that was what... well. Let's talk about uh, what what are our potential or are going to be AFC matchups. Well, I think it, I really think that uh, the first of all, the Browns and Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by nine and a half. Um, I just can't see the, again. The Chiefs last year they won in their playoffs. They won by twenty over Houston, eleven over Tennessee. Remember they were down both games in San Francisco. Even even games they were d- having trouble with, they all won by on nearly double digit numbers. And the year before they beat Indy by eighteen. And the only game that Mahomes is well, so now he's he's won he's four and one. The only one he lost was the overtime game to Brady. I just gotta think this game's not. I mean. If the Chiefs cannot get up for this game, I don't know what the problem is because the, the Browns' secondary is a mess, yeah. and the, as the Steelers have shown. And I just really think that I, I don't know how the Browns are going to stay in this game with all the injuries they have, what they've had to overcome without the coaching. And the Chiefs had a whole week to rest, uh, so I expect it. I expect them to cover the nine and a half. And I said, well, just about the Ravens and the Bills, I think this will be, they're both teams. So Bills have won seven in a row. The Ravens won six in a row. I think both teams want to run the ball in terms of with Allen. But I just think the passing with Allen is, is stronger with Diggs. I think Diggs is the difference maker. Uh, the Bills have a wide receiver that is that, quote, difference maker. The, the Ravens don't have that. Hollywood Brown is not Stephon Diggs. No, not even close. And like you said, Josh Allen is a league's better passer than Lamar Jackson at this point. Before we move to the NFC, little AFC news, if you want to call it maybe rumor mill i'm sure you've seen this though um sean watson may, may be wanting out of houston and the potential suitor is our hometown miami dolphins ira what do you think about this <laughs> i don't i don't know i don't know what about that i, I think you know, to take on his salaries with the highest paid players in the game um the advantage in the nfl is if you have a great quarterback who's on a rookie 
way rookie scale, which is like twenty, gives you it's almost is like three extra players you can have. Yeah. And is Watson worth it to come in and what the trades you'd have to make for it? Um, I don't know who are, we don't know where this information is. Is it coming from someone? Is it coming from Watson's camp in terms of trying to put pressure for them to trade or those things? But I. I would think that the Dolphins are happy with Tua. Uh, they seem that's where they want to go. They're not going to sign Fitzpatrick for next year. So I don't think I don't expect him coming here. I think it's more like when James Harden said he might be coming. I just don't see when a team like Watt. There's a lot of teams I think Watson would be potentially going to. I don't think the Dolphins would be one of them. Well, one of the things for me when I see this deal come up. So Lamar's not happy. I mean, uh, Deshaun's not happy. Doesn't have enough around him in that organization. Like they got rid of, of Bill O'Brien. So if that was the issue with the organization, that that I get. If you're leaving there to get better a team around you, the Dolphins running backs and receivers are not good. It's not like you have much in Houston, but it's not like you're getting an upgrade. It's not like going to Jacksonville where they got receivers, a running game, like they're just a quarterback away. That's why I, I think it's bizarre. I don't know. I don't know if that happens. But if Deshaun does come to Miami, I'm not going to be too mad about it. Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. Uh, let's go over to the NFC. And I think everyone kind of knew that the most underwhelming game of the weekend was going to be New Orleans and Chicago, and it was. Yeah, I mean, I think the game, when you're watching the New Orleans-Chicago game, you're thinking, well, we know that Chicago is a very good defense, and could that just, and New Orleans seems to be stuttering, sputtering some point. Is that going to, is that, are they going to do, you're looking for the Seattle, the Rams to do, what the, what the Rams did to Seattle was what the Bears were going to do to New Orleans, and they really didn't do it at all, because at least the Rams got some offense, whereas the Bears had nothing. I mean, after there's this one play, so the Saints go up 7 nothing, and Trublitsky, they did that flea flicker to Wins when Wins was down there, and went right through his hands in the end zone. So catchable. Anyway, and then they go on fourth and four, they're stopped. I, I, I'm not again. It's another fourth down when someone goes for it, like the Colts did. I can't criticize that when you when you have no offense at all, you should go for it. They, they get stopped, and then after that, it was like. But again, the Saints were only up seven three at halftime. Hill threw. I mean, it's weird when they bring Hill in for Breeze and Hill threw that terrible interception. But the Bears could never. I mean, they were going three and out, three and out, three and out the entire time, and uh, it was just. It was like one of those things where. And then to start the second half, how about Anthony Miller of the Bears gets thrown out? You have no wide receivers anyway. They're all hurt. And then he punched Gardner Johnson. And this is the second time this season that a Bears wide receiver has been thrown out for punching Gardner Johnson. And it was a terrible punch. <laughs> Gardner Johnson must be the best trash talker in the history of the earth because he's got two Bears now to try to punch him and get ejected for the game. And remember, he's the player that Michael Thomas, the receiver on his own team, punched yeah. and then got suspended. So I don't, we don't know. I mean, we'd love to interview Gardner Johnson and like, what are you? They always have these things. Like, who's the best trash talker in the NBA? I think Gardner Johnson has to win like the trash talking NFL awards. You go to Gardner Johnson because he's now got two players to punch him in the mouth. Cortland Finnegan passed on the torch to Gardner Johnson. No, you're right though. I didn't think about that. And then the the sec- odds. but the second half it was hilarious because the Bears are going three and out, three and out, and the Saints just had the Saints had a 12 play, 85 yard drive for seven minutes and 29 seconds where they came down for a touchdown, and then they had a 15. <laughs> they had the longest drive of the year. They had a 15 play 64 drives in nine minutes it took them nine minutes to go 64 yards and again it's not giving an an up 21-3 the only weird thing was the end of the game where the Bears scored I mean the stats don't look as uh, one-sided because the Bears had a 99-yard drive at the end of the game, and Jimmy Graham caught it with no time left. Remember, he used to play for the Saints after he caught the ball for the touchdown, which was an amazing one-handed catch. catch. They're probably the best catch and one of the catches of the year, and he just walks off the field into the locker room after the catch because yeah, there's no time. I just love that. And um, But it was like the game where Breeze is back. He had three for 265 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, it was the one. They've only had 10 quarters where Kamara, Thomas, and Breeze have played 
all year. And the fact that uh, Harris came on really well as another wide receiver, the Saints, their second wide receiver they were looking for. Um, but I thought that Kamara played well with the 99 yards and a touchdown. Thomas, five catches, 73 yards. And Treblitsky, you know, he's just average. I, I guess you're looking, again, this is, this is where you're concerned if you're a Bears fan because you're, we want, you want to see when the game is terrible that Trubisky can pull up, do something, and he yeah. just couldn't do anything. Well, you know, I asked you last week, is Mitch Trubisky going to be their quarterback next year? And the answer was yes, and I agree with you. And I still think he is, but this should be a team that's in the market for Deshaun Watson. Do you, you, you still sticking with Trubisky if you're the Bears? I still think I – yeah, but you watch a game like this and you get nervous. I, yeah. I, his arm strength – He's been I, pretty good down the stretch. Right. He has been great down the stretch. And when you saw that pass to wins, he definitely has that arm strength that you like to see in quarterbacks. And I just think there's some – and he's mobile. I mean, he has all those skills. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you get – you. he's almost an Aaron Rodgers-like in terms of he makes so many amazing plays. And then he just doesn't – on the average, like the 10-yard passes, he misses. And that's a sort of weird. But, but it, it was the same thing was in North Carolina. I went watched a, a game when he played the Hurricanes. It was the same thing. He was making amazing plays, and then he would just miss like 15-yard passes. And those, you were just blaming the wide receivers. Oh, they're college wide receivers. They they can't catch a ball that's thrown that hard. But maybe it's him. It's not just the, the wide receivers. No, yeah, like he's a guy. If I was a Bears fan, I don't know how I would get through the games. Like, I'm nervous every time he goes to throw the ball. <laughs> I, I don't know where it's going. It might be beautiful. It might be in the dirt. You just don't know what's going on with old Mitch Trubisky. So, one of the, like the sneaky thing that you heard around the water cooler all the past week was that watch out for Washington. This is a really strong defense. They might get it to Tom Brady, and that's the recipe to beat Tom Brady. I didn't think that was going to happen. You think Tampa's going to the Super Bowl, so I know you didn't think that's going to happen. Tampa didn't cover, but regardless, this was a nice win for uh, for them, and they're going to move on and play their uh, New Orleans Saints. So the takeaway from this game, the Tampa Bay won 31-23, I could not believe that Taylor Heineke – I thought he played great. Okay, he played well. But to elevate him to this level, I, I mean, I, I was listening to talk show hosts. They thought Taylor Heineke is this, like, first of all, it's weird. He went to Old Dominion. He was a backup of the XFL. So clearly, he's not a backup quarterback in the XFL. But I, I would not put, I would not sign him to a starting I mean, one game in a game that was really weird. And he made mistakes in the game. So, I mean, if the, if the, if the Washington team, football team, had a better quarterback, they might have made it closer. I, again, I, I think... There was a situation where I think Tampa Bay played again in the second half. Some mistakes on defense where I didn't like. But uh, I, I, the story was Taylor Heineke, how great, because he's going against Tom Brady and all this other stuff. And he was used to, when he was at New England for two weeks, and, he, and Brady and him got along well. And the fact that Alex Smith, their quarterback, couldn't play, and Heineke came in. There's a lot of factors in this game. But in the end... I don't, he didn't win the game, and it was, it was just one of those things where I think people were just blowing him up a, a little more than I would think would have to be. But you just like the fact that first touchdown pass to Antonio Brown. I have watched Antonio Brown, considering I had my fantasy team forever, and I've watched him when I go to Steeler games. That is Antonio Brown. That's oh, speed. Yeah. And what makes him the best wide receiver in the NFL when he is Antonio Brown is that he can catch the short passes and the deep passes, and there's no one else who can do that. And I couldn't believe why Brady kept throwing to Godwin, who I love too from Penn State. He, I, Godwin caught five passes. He had five drops. He was targeted 12 times. I could not believe these drop passes from them. But I heard someone else today say, Antonio Brown is their best wide receiver. Now, I only I caught two passes in a game, but that touchdown really set the tone. And I think when he caught that, that speed that he has, I mean, he's like Tyree Kill, but he's bigger and he catches better. I mean, every, he's just... I think that he's going to be the difference maker going forward. Well, it, 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 we've talked about it. You can't guard all three of those guys. You know, when, when they're healthy, 
that's those three guys are all number ones on any team, but they're just not in, just not in Tampa because of how how uh, stacked they are. But you're right. I mean, he's he's somebody that you could tell they were trying to account for him. Uh, you, you've still got to put a man on him, and it, they just spread him too thin. Um, you got to think that Dwayne Haskins was sitting at home watching this. Like I, I should be in here right now, but I blew all that. But uh, so what else happened? What I just want to say is that they, they went up to, they went up eighteen seven. Uh, Washington football team comes down eighteen ten, and then this is the second half, and the Bucks go three and out. Like, why do they go three and out? And then I thought the key to the game. So they're up eighteen ten, but Vaughn, Keyshawn Vaughn, they're running back. Because Ronald Jones, or other running back, was injured. But look, instead of handing it to Fournette, I would just I would just kept handing it to Fournette. I don't even know why Vaughn. He fumbled the ball. And then so now with six minutes to go, they, had, they get the ball on the 44-yard line. It was just, it's like this game was trending to the Buccaneers, running away, not making it close. And then you fumble the ball, let the Washington football team go down there. And then uh, that was when Heineke had that. He had three scrambles. He had two completions. I mean, it was one thing. I don't think Tampa Bay realized, you know, they, they had to, but... They can't. They kind of play better defense in terms of when a scrambling quarterback. But the fact is that Alex Smith wasn't expected to scramble, and he was scrambling, and they were able to go down to eighteen to make it eighteen sixteen. And the Bucks had a ball, and then Godwin makes some more more drops. Uh, Cameron Brait, the tight end, uh, it was, Gronkowski seemed very limited in the game, but Cameron Brait made some great catches uh, for, uh, that would that would that you know took the lead, and they got up twenty eight sixteen. And the Washington football team came back, but it was like one of those things where I think where the key part of the game was Chase Young. Uh, had 36, 36 times he rushed for the quarterback, only had two hurries, couldn't even get in there. And so they really neutralized the defensive line of the, of the, of the Washington football team. And I, I'm, look, I, I know the score isn't what you want to see in the game, but again, I just keep seeing Tampa Bay improving, improving, and uh, I was, it was a win they had to have. No, absolutely. It was a, a good win, and I think that they're going to be challenged. Uh, you know, they didn't play great against the Saints this season, Going to be a tough game uh, going to New Orleans to face them next week. Should be a good one. Um, Seattle and Los Angeles, like I said, I, I you, we've talked about the Rams, kind of Jekyll and Heidi. They've had some great wins. They've had some awful losses. You were saying, you know, you, you just don't like this team. I was really confident in them beating Seattle just because Seattle really kind of limped into the playoffs here. They're not moving the ball. They're not scoring points. I know they've got Russell Wilson, but... At the end of the day, I thought the Rams were a more complete team, and they showed it, and they won this game handily, 30-20. Well, uh, the L.A. starts Wolford at quarterback instead of Goff because Goff has a hurt thumb. Mm -hmm. And Jared Goff, and, and then we look at the, the quarterbacks that are remaining in the NFC, Rodgers, Brady, Breeze, and Goff are Wolford at yeah. quarterback. But I think in many ways the Rams, I mean, first of all, when Jamal Adams tackles uh, Walford at the beginning, uh, it was a helmet helmet hit. And I'm listening to last week when Skowski's hit on fields into his ribs, and everyone said it was the worst, dirtiest hit they've ever seen. How in the world does Jamal Adams, when it was a helmet to helmet hit on a sliding quarterback, and they pick up the penalty? I was just, I mean, I've been watching football, I mean, I could not believe it. And the announcers of the game who were doing it, they were like, eh, it was really, it was okay. And they brought the rules analysis. If that's I'm Drew like, Brees, that's a penalty. But I think on any quarterback, I just, I'm still shocked by that Jamal Adams penalty. I could not believe how you can even call it a penalty. You not the quarterback out of the game. Goff comes in, and then the weird thing that was wondering with the Rams is why don't they didn't have a backup? Blake Bortles was not active for that game, so they didn't have even a backup quarterback. Goff can't throw the ball. What if he hurts his thumb again? Then what are they going to do in a playoff game? You have to be prepared for that. But Cooper, I, Cooper Cup's going in. <laughs> that then he got hurt too. So, <laughs> but um, it was like one of those things where. That Wilson, Russell Wilson, again, we've seen how many interceptions this year. I mean, he was going to be the MVP, throwing great passes throughout the year. But, boy, at the end of that, that interception he threw on a screen pass, it was the first interception on a wide receiver screen this year in the NFL. 
I mean, that's wow. unbelievable. And they ran it in, and Darius Williams made a great play on it, but it's just a screen pass to a wide receiver. It's almost a lateral backwards. And how did Darius Williams break into that and go and intercept it, run it for a touchdown? They go up 13-3, and then... You know, it's one of those things where I thought the Rams then could have dominated. And then the one major play when Wilson runs around, then DK Metcalf releases and he throws that bomb 50-yard touchdown and it's 13-10. You're like, okay, that's what they're going to do the rest of the game. But boy, the Rams, Jamal Ramsey, their secondary, their defensive line, Aaron Donald, they, and Donald comes out and their defensive line still played great. The Rams defense after that, like Seattle was like three and out, three and out. They couldn't get the running game going. They couldn't get the passing game going. I mean, Tyler Rocket, who we see some weeks have 13, 14 passes, caught two passes for the game. Uh, It's just, I'm shocked. I was... I literally one of those. I mean, there was at one point Seattle was 0 for 6 on third downs. Uh, and, and in the third and the second half, Seattle, the Rams were doing nothing. Three and out, three and out. I'm looking at all my notes. Three and out, three and out. And they go and they get a field goal to make it like 23, 13. Uh, and then, and then, but then it's just like again and again, they just, the, a mistake. Seattle fumbles a punt return. That was a key, a key moment. But, uh, and then they make it 30 to 13. It just, it was, it was terrible. The Rams, the, the Rams for the game. We're three for 15 on third down. Seattle was two out of 14. Uh, how are you going to win games? First down, Seattle had 11 first downs in the game. 11 first downs. Russell Wilson, so MVP Russell Wilson, 11 for 20. He completed 11 passes in the game for 27 yards, 174, 174 yards with one interception. And he was sacked five times. Um, and then you like what the Rams did with Cam Akers. I mean, he ran for 131 yards and a touchdown. But... It's like, wow, I still, I mean, the, when you look at the next, for the next games, I'm still, look, I think the Rams are a fraud, but Seattle is even more of a fraud because this is a game you're waiting for them to come in and their, their defense didn't come to play, but their offense played terrible. Yeah, no, it's, I really like the Rams defense and I think that that's the, the difference maker. I don't think they're going to be able to slow down to, uh Aaron Rodgers, but I think that I thought that they would do enough to a team that was struggling on offense in the same in the Seahawks, and that's why that was my you know most confident bet of the week. So I don't know if you heard this, Ira. Um, Troy Aikman came out and said that Aaron Donald is the best defensive player ever, better than Lawrence Taylor, better than Reggie White. What's your thoughts on this? I, I thought Lawrence Taylor was better. I, I've, Aaron Donald can dominate the game. Lawrence Taylor is a linebacker play on the outside. And was able to, but when Lawrence Taylor was, I remember Lawrence Taylor in North Carolina, the first game I saw, I, I, I just, if you, you had to watch all, when you watch the Giants play, the New York Giants play football, and you grew up in the moment of watching the game, and you knew that every single time, I mean, he was uh, the water boy, uh, Bobby, Bobby Boucher. Boucher. <laughs> that, it, it was that. I mean, they could not, he would be running, and there, there'd be sometimes four offensive linemen, uh, running backs, everybody would go to his side. He could just run through people. He could run around them. When he was on his A game, and there was like a four or five-year period of time, it was just, it, forget about the sacks. I mean, they were just, the quarterbacks were just running away. He he would run away. He would start on the right side of the field. The quarterbacks would run to their, to their right, and, and he, he would just, they would get him. There was no way to stop him. He was as fast as any corner. It was like a Deion Sanders almost speed level, but the strength of, of a Donald. I, so I, I would not – look, Aaron Donald is, one of the, is the greatest defensive player right now. And there was a question with Matt, with Mack, with Chicago, who's better. But Donald's better. But I would – I've never seen one better than Lawrence Taylor. It's, uh, it, it's not the first time that uh, Troy Aikman's taking a shot at the Giants. So I think that that <laughs> probably had a, a little bit to do with it. we got about uh, 13, 14 minutes left to go here on Ira on Sports. You're listening to the True Oldies channel. Like we said, we're going to see Rams and Packers. Ira, what do you think happens here? I, I can't see the Rams hanging. I can't see the Rams hanging because i got to score some points. I mean, it, it, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to put up 30-some points in this game. Yeah. And they're playing in Green Bay. It's going to be cold. He's used to it. I just... 
I, again, I'd be shocked with Goff, whether Wolford can play um, we had, with his injury, with the shoulder that he had, where Goff can play with his thumb. Is Blake, is Blake Burles going to play in this game? Like, yeah. I just, I, I, I don't even think this is a competitive game. Um, and I really think that there's, the, Aaron Rodgers is not, I think Aaron Rodgers is playing at a level higher than Russell Wilson has played, clearly. And uh, I'd be shocked if the Packers, even if this game is close. Yeah, I mean, the, the Packers' one weakness is they're not great against the run. Rams can run the ball pretty good, but I can't see this one being close. What about uh, Bucks and Saints? I mean, this game is going to be good. This is the game of the weekend for me, and I can't wait to see Brady versus Breeze. Well, I think what's so exciting about this for the Bucks' perspective is that I, they would have had to go to play Green Bay if Seattle would have won the game. So, again, I thought they got a break to go now. And you say, why is that a break? Seattle, New Orleans blew out Tampa twice this year. What, I think still playing inside in, 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 in New Orleans, but with very a couple thousand fans. Uh, I just, I look, I think the Bucks are peaking. I think they're getting better every single week. I think they're going. I, I, there's a problem I see with Breeze. I, I, I really, there's no difference. I think Brady's playing much better than Breeze is playing right now. And I think the Saints defense is not unbeatable. And I don't, I'm not looking, saying, oh, Chicago couldn't do anything against the Saints. I'm not giving that much credit. Um, but it's great to have the two best quarterbacks with all the stats uh, one, two in yards, one, two in turnovers. I mean, it's, it's historic. I mean, this is going to be one, it'd be one of those games you had to be at if you could go to these games to have these quarterbacks at the end of their careers playing. I've seen how many, seeing them in Super Bowls and playoff games. Uh, this is going to be just so much fun to watch. You just wonder, I'll say about this game, my prediction, I think Bucks are going to win. You don't want Bruce Arians to take this. This game is Tom Brady's game. It's not Bruce Arians' mm-hmm. game. Tom Brady's won six Super Bowls. Tom Brady has won 31 playoff games. The next closest is 32. Joe Montana won 16. He's won double what the said number two has had. That's Bruce great. Arians doesn't have that type of record. I would let Tom Brady win or lose this game instead of Bruce Arians trying to do some crazy stuff and trying to win this game. No, I agree with you. And the line is sitting around three. I think this needs to go down. I think this should be like a point and a half. Three by the Saints. Saints are favored. Yeah, Saints are favored. I think that the money is going to push this down, and we're going to see like a 1.5, two-point line. Also, it's just too too close of a game. Also, a fast field inside, I think that benefits, I mean, with the type of passing game that the Bucs have. I think, I mean, look, there's New Orleans plays there at home, but I mean, this is a better matchup. As much as it's weird in terms of what they play, if they go to Green Bay and it's snow, you're not going to use Godwin. I mean, but it's clear, again, if if the Buccaneers have to go to Green Bay, they're going to have to win. But Brady's shown he could win in the snow. Antonio Brown's shown he could win in the snow. They all could win in the snow. I mean, Krakowski, they played in cold weather. But I think this is a better matchup in terms of for the Bucs this, this series rather than go to Green Bay this week. It's Ira on Sports, through all these channels. So as we said at the beginning of the show, we are pre-taping this because Ira is headed down to uh, Hard Rock Stadium to see the national championship. So Ira, let's talk about that. Wow, Alabama, what, favored by seven and a half, eight, nine in terms of what you can have. But uh, I'm glad they're, they're going to get the game in. I'm glad the season's over. And Alabama is one of the funnest teams that we've mentioned last week to watch. And Ohio State is, you've got two programs that Ohio State has been ranked 129 weeks as the number one team in the country, the AP poll. It's the first. And Bama is second at 105. Bama has 84 first-round picks in the NFL, and, uh, which is number one. Crazy. And, and Ohio State has 68, which is number four. Bama has 931 wins, which is number two, and Ohio State has 928, which is number three. Who has the most? Uh, I think it was Notre Dame. But okay. uh, the uh, they've only played four times. Uh, they're in the uh, – Bama has uh, – uh, they've only played f- four times. In, in the, but in the seven years of cultural playoffs, Bama's been in at six. Ohio State's been in at fourth. But they only they only faced each other once, and Ohio State beat them 42-35 in 2015. But uh, when they won the national championship. But uh, this is 
this is this is like one of those you know I and now to put in Jalen Waddle and some people are like who's Jalen Waddle? Jalen Waddle was the wide receiver that was supposed to be the Heisman Trophy candidate wide receiver <laughs> on the team who fractured his ankle returning a punt in the fourth third fourth game and now he's coming back and we talk about people opting out and opting out. Here's a guy who is on every projection has him one of the top ten picks in the NFL draft. He might be ahead of Devontae Smith who won the Heisman Trophy and they're both going to be. He wants to come back and play in this game. He doesn't have to come this game. This means nothing. He wants to play. I just love it. You see him on the sidelines. I mean, that's every that speaks to what Alabama is about. These guys, Nick Saban, and this is when you talk about Phil Jackson and these coaches. You're like, oh, anybody can coach talent. Anybody can coach talent, but you can't get people. You can, it's hard because you got to get all these talented people on the same page, mm-hmm. all enthusiastic and all playing hard. And that's what Nick Saban has been able to do. And he's able to just. That's and that I think Jalen Waddle speaks for what you know what what he has and, I, and that's what I'm excited for this game in terms of seeing is is how great this last year I saw the LSU team is one of the greatest teams I've ever seen is this Alabama team one of the greatest teams I've also seen well it, it's kind of funny that they went from Rugs and Judy to now uh, Smith and Waddle who might be a better duo than they had last but they year. were on the team last yeah. year which shows, shows you. That's why that Auburn game is like, I think if they would have gotten the playoffs last year, I mean, that's where I think I give the credit for LSU being so good to beat that Alabama team because I was at the game. LSU was able to beat Tua and those four wide receivers. That shows you how great Joe Burrow was at quarterback and Justin Jefferson and, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and everything they had. I mean, that was, that'll go, get game will go. I'm so glad I went to that game. It's one of those games, I think, 20 years from now, people are going to look at that and see all the NFL players that were in the game. Like, what an amazing game that LSU was able to win that game. So what's, what's your focus here on this game? Well, I think, look, Alabama has the second best offense in the country and Ohio State is the 31st best defense which is not good for Ohio State to have that and Ohio State's prone prone to to get big plays now oh Alabama's run offense as much as Nigel Harris was fifth for the Heisman Trophy um the Ohio State rush defense is phenomenal you saw what they did at Clemson they shut down Travis Etienne he only had 44 yards on 22 attempts and this Ohio State defense is a little bit different they don't have the Chase Young the Nick Bosa but a guy like Haskell Garrett they're more like the run stoppers and I think if they their their goal is to like totally shut down the Bama running game and if you're seeing Bama you know go on first down and get no yards no yards that's what you're going to be looked for now of course Alabama still has the best offensive line in the country they're missing their center but the, besides that and they have uh, Najee Harris, the best running back in the country. So you expect, boy, if Alabama can run on Ohio State, then it's not even going to be close. I mean, if Alabama's running, yeah. then it's just forget it. Because the Bama's pass offense, Bama has the fifth best pass offense in the country, which really is the first because they have such big leads. But Ohio State's defense is like a hundredth in the country. And it's just, this could be, this hole is going to go Devontae Smith and Sean Wade. Sean Wade is one of the people from Ohio State, their quarterback, who people think could be a first round pick. If Devontae Smith is able to destroy him, which I expect him to do, <laughs> then this is just, this, this is where this game is going to get totally out of control in terms of you cannot stop Alabama. Now, Ohio State's offense against Bama's defense, um, it, that's the thing. Alabama's defense is not the traditional Alabama defense. And Ohio State's, they're, they're one of the best offenses in the country also. So this is a point where, you know, maybe this is going to be a track meet. It's just going to be up and down, up and down. Over it's, 75. It's just, <laughs> I mean, Ohio State's rushing offense is fifth in the country. It's Bama's is 13th. Between uh, Trey Sermon and Master T, um, it, it's like one of those things where you're like a little nervous. I mean, Notre Dame in that first half was a, rushed for 100 yards against Bama. So Bama has given up yardage rushing. And when you look at Trey Sermon, how he ran 254 yards against Clemson, 300 yards rushing in the last three Big Ten games. Um, he had Sermon at 636 yards over his last three games. You're just like, boy, if, if Ohio State can just control the line of scrimmage and run, boy, Alabama's in trouble. And then uh, on passing, as much as... But this is where Alabama, their defense on passing, 
pass defense has been inconsistent, giving up the big plays. But Fields has been weak on this. Fields has made mistakes, and now the last game against Clemson, he looked great. But uh, um, but Bama's linebackers, they're a little slow. They, they sometimes don't make the plays. But the question is Patrick Sertain. If he can, if he can shut down Chris Olave, which is the star wide receiver from Ohio State, uh, then I think, I think it's one of these type of games where if Alabama scores two touchdowns and Ohio State scores, you cannot let the other team get too far ahead. This is going to be like a volleyball, you know, where you serve. serve, serve. It's almost like where you have, to, you have to hold your serve at all times, or t- more like tennis than volleyball. But it's like if you, don't, if you don't hold your serve, break point, set over. And, and that's the point where I just don't I – don't, I think you – and there it certainly can't be turnovers. And this Alabama team has not committed those turnovers that you expect others. Now, Ohio State has. Fields in that Northwestern game threw interceptions and made mistakes, and Indiana game threw – made made mistakes. So um, I'm looking for a look, I think Alabama is going to score 50 points and probably Ohio State 28. So I think 50-28. Wow. So you're, you're going deep on this. Nine-point line is a lot for a national championship, but you're doubling it. <laughs> no, I think I think the last game I was nervous when the line was so high for Alabama. I'm not so nervous now because in this they're not going to – like they're going to – they're going they know that they have to put points on. They're going to keep scoring, and I think they will. And I think at some point Ohio State's just not going to be able to stay in the game. I have no allegiance to, to this game or either of these teams. I want Ohio State to win. I, maybe I'm just burnt out on, on Alabama no, every year. No, don't say that. <laughs> but for some reason, I'm rooting for, for Justin Fields and rooting for Ohio State. I don't, I don't know why, and I don't think they're going to win. But. Well, it's so funny. I'm a Penn State fan, and everyone says you have to root for the Big Ten, and I just I cannot root for Ohio State. It's just I, there has to be a limit. I can't do it. They are so, their fans are so mean to Penn State fans. They're mean to everyone else in the Big Ten. And Alabama fans, when I went there, they were so nice, and I just I cannot. I don't care. I'm, I, I, I don't care. I cannot root for Ohio State. It just can't. I can't. I don't care they're Big Ten. I got about three minutes left here, Ira. Uh, um, let's talk a little golf because I got excited. I sent you a text yesterday. Hey, Dustin Johnson's in competition for the Century Open, but didn't have enough to pull it out. This is a weird. This tournament is only for winners of tournaments. It used to be like had a huge name field in Hawaii, but this year a lot of the people because of COVID didn't come, so they were opening the field to anybody who was in the Tour Championships. But uh, Dustin jo- um, Justin Thomas was in the uh, only one stroke off, uh, and then but it was won by Harris English. Now Harris English is funny. It, he uh, he held. He had four birdies in a, in a five-hole stretch to, ca- to catch Yaki Neiman. They went into the uh, sudden death playoff when he was able to win. But English was once this riding star. But in 2019, he lost his card. He was he was not even playing, yeah. and he was ranked 339th in the world. Was able to come back last year. Had that great had a had a great run in terms of playing better. And uh, what a way to start the tournament to win the Century Championship. Um, and it was a good field. I mean, Bryson DeChambeau was seventh. Rom was seventh. Colin McCarroll was seventh. Berger was tenth. And Dustin Johnson ended up be eleventh. But but uh, the Sony opens this week, and you expect a lot of those big names to stay for that. But I'm surprised it's not doesn't have that field. It has like burgers in the field and English in the field, but none of the other big names were stayed for that. Um, while we're on the topic of golf, I'm sure you saw today the Honda Classic announced that they will have fans in attendance. It's going to be modified. They're not. It's not going to be like we're used to at the Honda, but at least we'll be able to get out there. So that's exciting. Well, you know that the Honda, <laughs> they were pushed back. I mean, for a number of reasons, they they got a benefit. It was pushed back three weeks, and I think the timing in terms of being pushed back. But of course, all these things are subject to change. But you know how much I love the Honda Classic. But I do predict we had Ken Kennelly on the show. I predict that they're going to have the biggest names they've ever had on this. I, I think because all the golfers live here, it's a tournament they're going to like to go to. They can stay at their house. The whole idea about social distancing where I could just go and play a tournament and go back to my own house in my own bed where I know it's safe. I, I, I'm going to think you're going to have the, the best field. I'll make this prediction. The best field the Honda Classic has ever had is going to be this year. I'm hoping so because we, we love the Honda Classic here on Iron Sports. Um, real quick, Delray opens in town. So you're going to have your busiest sports week in probably a year. Well, there, it's only this quarters are today. 
Friday. The semis are tomorrow. I'm going to go tomorrow night for the semifinal and then Wednesday afternoon to the finals. Uh, TFO, who, if it's not TFO, who's been on the show, is still in it. And John Isner is still in it. Um, so, but they end on Wednesday. So I'll catch maybe one tomorrow night. And then I'll, I'll catch one, uh, I'll catch the final one Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon at three, which is a weird time to stop a tennis match. And of course the game today, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm excited about tonight's game. So everybody should be after we're ending the show and turn right to one of the greatest, uh, hopefully one of the, a great college football game. We are out of time though. On behalf of Ira, I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. It's Iron Sports.